As Scott said, my name is Scott Donald, and I am Dawn's husband. No way. I am. My wife's name is Dawn. We need to talk. We do. This is a club. We got it going on. Okay. Now, I am also Adrian's father. No, Allison. And Luke's dad. And Zach. Okay. All right. We have the same armor. We do. Absolutely. And uh, as of yesterday, I am now the adoptive parent of a four-year-old cat named Thunder. And somehow from three o'clock yesterday afternoon until this morning, he has now taken over our home. I'm not quite sure how that happened. And I kept feeling something on my feet. And my wife assured me that it would not be the cat. My wife was wrong. It was the cat that chose to sleep with my wife and I last night. So if you're a, if you're a cat hater, it's okay. Um, God will not burn you for that. You may have to sit somewhere else, but he won't burn you for that. And if you're a fan of the team that's playing the Denver Broncos, it's probably okay as well. Um, I'm not a football guy, but I do know the Denver Broncos. I do not know who they're playing, and frankly, I don't care. But today is the day. This morning, I'd like to talk about pressing in. And uh, would you pray with me first? Father God, we glorify your holy precious name. Father God... Those songs were not just songs. Those were not just words that we saw on the screen and sang. That is our worship to you. Father God, we fear no more. We fear no more because we are in you. And we thank you and we glorify your holy precious name. God, I just ask you to touch these lips of clay, to anoint them, to speak the words you once spoken today. And Father God, I ask that the hearts, the minds, and the spirits of the people in this church hear the words that you have for them today. We glorify you and honor you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you would, um, or if you'd like to, because I think it's going to be up here, we're going to start in the book of Mark. And uh, Mark 5, as a matter of fact, I have mine marked, so you've got to be pretty quick to keep up with me. Looking at Mark 5, 24. A woman in that crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Now said that the woman in the text had heard about Jesus. If you go through the New Testament, Luke 6, 17, the crowds 
came from all distances, all the way from the seacoast, to hear Jesus, to be healed, to have demons cast out, to have Jesus touch them, to see that healing power of the king. In Mark 3, we can read the story of where Jesus was in the synagogue and he healed the man with a deformed hand. In Luke 7, we can read the story of Jesus where he healed the servant of the Roman officer. Now, that one didn't even require a touch. That was a long-distance healing. Jesus just said it was, and it was. And in that same book of the Bible, we can read the story about Jesus coming across the funeral procession in Nain. And, and it, was, it was the funeral procession of the widow woman's only child. And she was weeping, and Jesus says, don't weep. He laid his hand on the casket and said to the boy, get up. And he did. And the final sentence of that verse says, and the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. So this woman in our story, she knew about Jesus. She knew about his great power. She had heard stories, and possibly she had seen some results. Maybe it was her uncle or her uncle's brother-in-law's sister's friend that was one of the 5,000 that was fed with the fish and the loaves. Possibly she had heard an account of the disciples crossing the lake when Jesus told the wind and the waves to stop. Can you imagine if you were one of those disciples? The next day, you're at Walmart. Anybody around you, you're going, you will not believe what happened last night. Jesus just told the wind and the waves to stop. And it did. We were going to drown. We were going to die. And Jesus just said, be calm. And it was. You know they told everybody. You, you know they had to have. They, they told everyone they knew. They Facebooked it. They Snapchatted some pictures of the boat on the water, sent it out. The woman maybe heard this. Maybe she was related to one of the disciples. But she knew who Jesus was. In that crowd that day, she saw him and she knew who he was. And she was convinced. She was convinced that if she could just reach out and touch him, if she could just, just touch the healer, if she could get close enough to the master that she would be able to touch the hem of his robe and all would be well. If she could just press in through the crowds, If she could just get in there, she could have a healing like she has heard about. She could have the same thing that she saw or know of that other people did. Now, keep in mind, this woman was ready, willing and ready to go against all of the social stigma of her society. See, she was unclean. 
Her bleeding illness wasn't just this horrible, terrible thing. It also made her unclean in her society. She was cast out from her society. She was unclean. She couldn't be around people. If you look in Leviticus, Leviticus tells us just how bad this was. This was bad. This woman wasn't supposed to be in the crowd because she was unclean. And she knew that going into the crowd, anyone she touched would have shared that uncleanliness with her. And she's thinking of touching Jesus? Whoa! By the way, she wasn't even allowed to touch a man in public. The law was clear. She was not supposed to do that. But here she is, and you know what? She is not intimidated by this huge crowd. Now, I don't know what huge crowd means, but some of the other stories in the Bible we hear about, there's 4,000, 5,000 people. Can we just agree? A huge is between three and 10,000? That's huge. That's, that's a big crowd. That's a lot of people that have come to see the healer. Dangerous crowd has said that the, the, the crowd is pushing and shoving. They want to get close to Jesus. And they're, they're, they're trying to get up there. About like the alleyways at a football game. If anybody's been to a professional football game, especially a Lions game in the fourth quarter, five minutes before the game opens or ends, look out. There's a mass exodus. It is crazy. That's probably what this was like. She didn't care. It didn't matter. She was going to get desperate, and she was going to press in. We've all seen miracles before, haven't we? If you haven't, you need to get outside your home, but I know you have. Our daughter was in a car accident when she was 16 years old, and literally the roof of her car was ripped off right where the driver used to sit and there was not much left except the engine block part of the hood and then that space where she was sitting was gone and if I showed you pictures today of her car you know that the driver died nope she was only a quarter mile from home she walked home and called grandpa to take her to the hospital that my friends was a miracle that was a miracle and, and we've read about the premature baby he was so underdeveloped, there was absolutely no way he was ever going to live. There was no way he'd ever leave the hospital. And he's graduating from Gaylord High School this weekend, or this year. That, that, that's a miracle, folks. That, that, that's a miracle. Now, how many times, how many times, have you seen something go on? And typically we think of medically. That's the easy ones. We don't think about the trees and the birds and all of the 10,000 things we were singing about earlier that God created. We don't think of those as miracles. You know, the miracle of the hawk. Oh, the poor chickadee. The gorgeous hawk, which is a miracle. The hawk's a miracle. So is the chickadee. But we don't think of those things as miracles from Jesus. What we think are miracles are things we can see. There are times that we know that we know that we know that the hand of God was on that situation. And we walk away, we might even tell someone, 
that the hand of God was on that situation. So-and-so was hurt so bad, it was only a miracle. God laid his hand on there and, and saved him. I looked up miracles on the Internet. There are literally hundreds of stories written by non-Christian, non-believing doctors about car accidents and heart attacks and brain aneurysms of people that were dead and were prayed back to life. Hundreds of stories. It's not on Christian internet. It's on the internet. And these are not Christian people. These are just people talking about the miracles that they've seen in their lifetime. Crazy, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Of the things that have happened on this earth in our lifetime. Now, we see it every day. We do. Driving over here and finding this place, using my GPS, was a miracle. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Because my GPS turned me to, told me to turn down a road, and only, thank you, Lord, told me, you better pull over and check that again, because that road ain't going where you want to go. But we do. We, we, we see it every day. If we want to admit it, if we want to actually look and see it for what it is, Jesus performs miracles every single day on this earth around us. And we know that he lives and he reigns right here on earth. We know that. We do. And, and, and if we see these miracles every day around us, why do we doubt that it can be us? Why do we doubt that when we need a miracle, Jesus will not come through for us? Because we doubt. Why do we struggle? Why do we struggle to, to we, we, we struggle through the stupidest things in our lives? We do not cry out to Jesus. We cry out to the banker, the fast casher. But we don't cry out to Jesus and get desperate. We sit on the sidelines and watch Jesus rock other people's worlds. But we do not press in for our own. Now, in the story of the woman, Jesus was not sitting up in the big chair in the front of the area just waiting for her to stroll up. Jesus was leaving. He was on his way out. He's going. And the woman felt the time was now. I have to act now. Now is the opportunity. This is her chance after 12 long years. 12 years. And she sees her opportunity right there. And she got desperate. And she pressed in. Now, if you've all been in, in crowds, she darted and she dodged and she slid around people for that one desperate minute when she would reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Now, church, I have to tell you something. That took some faith. Everything was against her. 
socially, physically, everything was against that woman, and it took some faith. Yeah, she had heard some stories. Yeah, maybe she had seen some things. Maybe. But she wanted her own miracle, and against all odds, she was going to get it, and frankly, that was pure faith. God tell you, faith is an action word. James 2.14, now the NIV says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Faith without works, faith without action, are dead and useless, James goes on to say. It doesn't work any other way. There's no other way. Faith than action. Faith and action. So the woman in our story comes up behind Jesus, possibly because he was leaving, possibly because of all the social stigma where she shouldn't even touch a man. And she thought she should come up behind Jesus. And she reached out and she touched his robe. And this woman had a great need And this woman had a great faith to come to Jesus for its resolution. The woman's healing was a demonstration of Jesus' tremendous power and his deity. And the woman recognized this. The woman knew who Jesus was. And in turn, Jesus recognized her faith. It says, your faith has made you clean. Not my touch. Your faith has made you clean. And Jesus healed her body and soul. Let's keep looking in the book of Mark. Starting at 10, in chapter 10, 46. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Bartimaeus, like the woman, had some faith and took some action. Bartimaeus was desperate. He was desperate. And he knew he had to press in. He did not stay home that day whining in bed about a situation. He did not spend the morning sitting at the kitchen table drinking coffee, feeling sorry for himself, putting all of his woes on Facebook. Bartimaeus was desperate. And he got up, he headed out to the side of the road. That that morning, 
Bartimaeus made the choice based on faith to get up, get dressed, brush his teeth, and make his way down to the side of the road. We were talking this morning about people attending church. And they attend church when God has something for them. I'm not saying that ever, if, if there's someone who's not here, it isn't that God doesn't have something for them. They're just not listening. But God's got something for them. Maybe that morning Bartimaeus knew. That morning. Maybe he knew. But Bartimaeus felt that he had an appointment with a miracle that day. So he pressed in. He took the chance. He had faith in the outcome. And he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then, then, Bartimaeus jumped up, it says, threw off his cloak and came to Jesus. He took action. He pressed in because he had faith in the miracle worker Jesus. He had faith. He was desperate for the touch of the healer. He had faith because he did not want to be blind anymore. He wanted to see the light of the world and he knew he could find it in the light of the world. Bartimaeus would not be denied. He would not be denied. He believed. He cried out. He persisted. He pressed in. He was desperate for Jesus. And Jesus asked him, what do you want? And Bartimaeus told him. And Jesus rewarded him with the healing and the salvation that he desired. Now, I don't know. Have, have there been any tough patches here at church? Tough things in your life? Been to a doctor lately? Been to the banker? Mortgage company? The employment or the unemployment office? Is there stuff going on in your life? Has someone had to make a call to an, a divorce attorney? Or has anybody looked in the money jar and found out that it was empty? We need to get desperate, church. We need to get desperate for Jesus Christ in our life. We need to believe and expect and press in to the healer of brokenness. We should be so desperate for Jesus that we reach out to him in faith for the healing of our lives. In the healing of our marriages. What about our families? Do we need Jesus to surrender our family and touch them? What about our jobs? Maybe we're working at one of the most miserable things we've ever done in our life. Do you want Jesus to touch that? You want Jesus to touch your finances? 
Do you want Jesus to touch your church? Do we need any hem-touching miracles in Charlevoix, Michigan, in any area of our life? Do we have any blind faith to call out to the healer? Do we need to reach in, to press in, to shout to the Lord that we need his touch? Let's keep looking at the word. We're still in the book of Mark. Chapter 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man in a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. The man's friends had so much faith that they carried their friend on a mat through the crowds. Only to get there and find out they couldn't even get close to Jesus. All this work. How do you think, men? If I'm the guy and you want to carry me, four of you, what do you think? It's going to be a struggle, isn't it? How far are you willing to carry me? You're my friend. You have the faith. Walking all that way, carrying your friend to find out that the lines are longer than Cedar Points. Ever been there? Have you ever been there thinking it should be this way or that way? And it wasn't, you know, because we all know how to make our lives work better than God does. Because we all ask God afterwards to bless our decisions. We don't ask God before we make a decision. We ask Him after the decision. Hey, God, I'm doing this. I'm taking this job. I'm marrying this woman. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm buying this house. Hey, you'll bless it, right? God, thanks. Got me covered, right? Have you ever headed to Jesus and found that the storm of your life was just too big for you to get close to him? The crowd was too big for you to get intimate with Jesus and get personal with Jesus. So we just backed off, felt discouraged, and did nothing. These four men were probably terribly, terribly discouraged. They've just carried their friend. It doesn't say how far. They all walked on foot. They didn't throw him in the back of their truck. They didn't put him in the back seat of the Impala. They walked and carried their friend to Jesus. And there's no way to get there. This church is where our faith has to kick in. This is where faith actually means action. 
Let's finish that story. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sons are forgiven. Let's drop the verse, or chapter, verse 11. Stand up, pick up your mats, and go home. They pressed in. They did not allow discouragement or crowds or anything. Whatever storm was in front of them, they pressed in because they wanted the miracle they were believing for, for their friend. Not for them, for their friend. They were desperate for their friend. They were desperate that his life would be changed forever. So they're there, and they're standing there with their friend, and the house is up there. They can't even see Jesus in it because there's so many people. And their faith made them go, let's climb on top of the house. Let's take Bob up there. Let's dig a hole big enough to get Bob through and lower him down in front of Jesus. Church, they dug down. They dug deep. They dug deep here before they could dig up there. Their faith. They wanted to put their friend in front of the mighty one because they knew that the touch of Jesus would change his life forever. Now I have to ask you, when's the last time that our faith made a difference in the life of someone else. Excuse me. Our faith. Someone else. Do we in faith call out to Jesus that we need His help in our lives? Or are we the Christians that just Assume Jesus is doing some stuff and he's busy and we're just going to live our life and unless nothing bad happens, it's okay. And when bad stuff happens, bad stuff happens. Where does our faith take us? Does our faith take us far enough that we actually want to do something for someone else? That we actually want their life to be changed? Does our faith ever, ever, ever carry us? Carry our friends to the rooftop to meet Jesus? Does our faith even carry us up to the rooftop to meet Jesus? And if you're saying no just like I did, I have to ask, don't you think it should? Don't you think it should? Church, Jesus the healer. Jackie? Jackie, you want to come up? The Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords wants us to step out in faith for the healing of our marriage. 
Oh, we're married. We're doing okay. Are you? Really? Does one and one and one make one? You, your spouse, and Jesus? If not, I think we can get some help in our marriage. What about healing our bodies? What about healing in our families? Our jobs and our resources? Pastor Mike has told me that this church has been praying this year. I believe that God wants you to lay your church right here at the altar. To lay your church at the altar and reach out to him and allow Jesus to make it the most strong, powerful, well-outreaching church anywhere. Jesus wants us to come to him, church. Jesus wants us to come to him in desperation and in faith. To allow him to move in our lives, in our hearts. Jesus is telling us today it's time to stop playing Christian and start being a real, true Jesus Christ follower that knows him, that loves him, that shares their life with him. Does anyone here today besides me need a miracle in their life that wants to press into Jesus and say, Jesus, here's what I need. Let me touch the hem of your robe. If you do, will you stand with me? If Jesus needs to walk by you and you need in faith to stretch your hand out and touch his robe, I'm going to offer you this morning the altar right here where Jesus is standing that you can come up and reach out and cry out to Jesus that you need to reach out to his robe. If you want to come up to the altar and pray, are there any prayer warriors out here that want to pray for people? If there's someone standing or kneeling, if you're a prayer warrior at this church, will you lay your hand on that person and pray with them? Church, let's cry out for Jesus. Let's reach out for his hem. Let's cry out for Jesus Christ and tell him we need that healing miracle right now. In our heart, in our body, in our family, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Lay it out to Jesus right now. Just like Bartimaeus. Just tell Jesus what you want.
reach out for his hem, church. potluck is still going to be there. The food is still going to be warm. Get desperate. Surrender it to Jesus. Reach out and touch his robe. Tell him you don't want to be blind anymore. Where you don't want to be tired anymore or broken anymore. Jesus already knows your heart. He just wants you to share it with him. pray this over you before we leave. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. If you want to keep praying, please pray. This is too important to worry about if you're going to get some meatballs or some cornbread. Otherwise you're dismissed in the name of the Lord.
giving you 